0: Hi there. Before starting the show, I just want to give a quick disclaimer. We had a little bit of a a technical difficulty uh, where, long story short, Davius lost a big portion of his recording, so uh, that resulted in, in the the middle of the recording, I'm just basically delivering a a really long monologue, Um, so if you notice that it's been a long time since you've heard Davius say anything, that's the reason why. Uh, Anyway, on with the show. Welcome to Scrolling, a podcast about the Elder Scrolls Online. I'm Ket. I'm Davius. This is episode number 67. Hey, Davius, guess guess what time it is?
1: Scrolling time.
0: It's scrolling time. It's also time for the New Life Festival. Oh, it is here. Sorry. I messed that up. I messed it up. No. All right, start over. Hey, Davius, guess what <laughs> <no. laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's the it's the New Life Festival. It's here. It's here right now by the time this recording goes live and people can hear it. Uh it, it's already gone live December 16th through uh Tuesday, January 4th is the New Life Festival. Um what you can do during the New Life Festival, um you can do an intro quest to unlock a a collectible item and then you can use that collectible to gain a, a 100% XP boost. Uh, for two hours, and you can refresh that over and over again throughout the duration uh, of the event. After the event ends, you can still use the collectible, but you no longer get the XP boost. Um, you can also do repeatable quests, get rewards like the skin the skin changer uh, style pages, uh, new life recipes, I don't know what those are, but it's just listed in the thing here, you can get some collectibles. You can also uh, get the style pages for this new uh, style called the Nord Carved Armor Style. Davius, there's the word Nord in there.
1: I'm excited. You better believe it.
0: And it's an event, so there, of course there's going to be event tickets. The Impres- Impresario is going to be available. Um, so if you're not getting um, those the style pages that you want from the uh, from the quest, then you can just buy them with tickets from the Impresario um, and I think they'll probably be for sale on Guild Traders as well, but probably pretty expensive, I imagine, since it's a brand new style that we haven't had access to
1: before. I mean, let's be honest. Best part about this is everybody's heading to East March. We're all going to party.
0: Grizzly Khan says sixty possible tickets over the whole thing over the course of twenty days. It sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot of tickets. Yeah.
1: We got a I'm going to throw a Stoon shout out in there. This event takes right pl- uh you know, right next to the guild hall, so stop on by if you're
0: Oh, interesting. The the snow globe thing? There you go. Cool. Nice. Yeah, stop on by the guild hall.
1: This I there's rumors that this event's sponsored by Stoon's Goons Guild. You know, just rumors out there. <laughs> Weird. I have not heard that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> you would think you would have heard that. <laughs>
0: You know, it's kind of sad. I never really get hyped about these XP events anymore because it's been such a long time since I've had a need to level anything up. You know, I have thirteen characters; they're all they all already have everything they need. So I'm just kind of done leveling stuff. So I just kind of set these events out a lot of the time.
1: This is uh, you'll be excited. This is the event. This is the event that uh, the Mag DK is going to get leveled. It's going to happen.
0: Yeah, finally, finally. My final cool. my
1: final character, I'm leveling up.
0: I kind of envy you that you still have uh, characters to, like if you want to make a new character, you still have some that you can make.
1: Yeah, it's out there.
0: In other news, uh, studio director Matt Fieror, um put out a, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, a press release uh, called Studio Director's Letter a 2021 Retrospective.
1: Riveting name,
0: <laughs> riveting name, uh, very creative. About as about as riveting as the the contents of the article, I think. So, studio director Matt Furor is just kind of looking back over the past year and just kind of talking about uh, his thoughts, how he thinks things went, uh, and that sort of thing. But, I mean, you can read it; you can go to ElderScrollsOnline.com, dot and it'll be one of the top linked things there. Uh, but basically, he's just saying it was a, a very dif- difficult year, a very stressful year. They're all very tired. Uh, Yet still yet, they think it was a very successful year all the same. Um, They said that their uh, main goal was basically to have more stable launches uh, in 2021, like less crashes, less bugs and things like that. Um, And he says that they feel that they were successful uh, in that regard. And I think I agree in my experience anyway. Uh, I haven't really experienced a ton of bugs or crashes or anything like that. He says companions have proven to be remarkably popular Mm.
1: one for two matt one for two buddy (laughs) yeah i uh (laughs) Uh.
0: what i think is funny there is how like how close remarkably popular is to just saying that it's remarkable which is like (laughs) the flattest thing you can say about something like oh yeah you can you can remark upon it, sure.
1: You know, we we talked a, a little bit about this, and I think the thing is with Companions, and, and very similar to even Antiquities, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about this the other day, and the those two things were very much kind of flash-in-the-pan items. They were really fun, and you kind of really explored them, but really that excitement and that kind of interest, at least for me and you, I can speak to this, it kind of lasted about maybe a month. And then it was Mm -hmm. kind of like, now we've kind of forgotten that they exist in the game. And I'm not saying every player is like me and you, but I bet you there's a lot of players out there like me and you, where these were kind of new, interesting, very flash in the pan. It's like, all right, let me test this out. Let me kind of take a look, you know, experience it. And then, um, it's kind of to the point now, I don't, you know, I don't want to rag on it too much, but when's the last time you really got excited for antiquities or even companions, you know, it's just kind of like easily forgotten
0: it's it's been a couple of years and really the companions thing i feel like i might be more interested in it if it hadn't if it doesn't seem like they have just totally abandoned it from the get-go you know like they they dropped these two companions uh in the game and then Mm. really there hasn't been anything since there hasn't been any anything interesting added to the companion system we haven't gotten a single new companion yet uh and this this year's worth of content is at a close now. So if we're not getting any, if we haven't gotten any now, it doesn't, I don't think we're ever going to get any new companions.
1: I still think we're going to get some more. Maybe it's just like they release two new companions every year. Like there's two with the entire year long event. But I mean, that's the thing with companions. I feel like is that where you're really going to get people to really be dedicated to it is if you can, if somebody can find a companion that it really, they personally like the one that is really personal to them and, Uh, I think you're kind of the same way in this, is that there's only two companions out there, so everybody out there has the same companions, and it almost turns me off. I'm not really super interested in these two, and the fact that these are the only two and everybody else has these two, like, I want more uniqueness to it. I want to be able to pick one, give me a Nord, you know, things.
0: Yeah, Yeah. now Dr. Professor says that when he's running around in the overworld, it's it's pretty common to see people with their companions out, and I can agree there. I, I do see them uh, out there, but the point is, is like, I mean, let's kind of go over the things we've gotten in the expansions thus far. You know, we got mm-hmm. um, Morrowind in twenty seventeen with the Warden and Battlegrounds. Um, Somerset, we got the Sigic Order and jewelry crafting Mm -hmm. elsewhere. We got the Necromancer. I mean, three years in a row, bangers, right? Yeah. And then Graymore, Antiquities, Blackwood Companions, you know, it's like two years in a row of kind of womp, womp.
1: Well, and I think, I think that's a perfect example of, of the very quick and then very easily, quickly forgotten. I mean, look at, look at Battlegrounds. I mean, it's crazy to think that Battlegrounds were just a part of Morrowind. And we mm-hmm. got and we got the uh, warden class like I mean just huge changes to the game that are very much not forgotten not a flash in the pan um, yeah we need to it would be nice to get to get back to something like that and and I I'm not even really knocking antiquities or the companions I think they're I, I'm happy they're in the game I think that's cool but we need something that's gonna a little bit have a, a little bit more higher usage can like going on a long time usage something happening
0: yeah we're we're due for something like that like a class or a skill line i i really i doubt we see a class this next year but a, a skill line i think at the very least like a combat relevant skill line needs to happen um you know i understand this past years sp- but really the past couple of years have been special circumstances and i think a lot of players have been pretty understanding of that and that's kind of the sure. reason why things have been this way but you know, it kind of feels like we've had plenty of time to to make those adjustments and to adapt. And, you know, I know I, I expect something pretty dazzling this go around, um, but I'm not sure we're going to get it. Um, so he goes on to talk about their plans for 2022. He says our content plans will be, uh, uh, be to back off of major plots with end of the world invasion themes and tell a more traditional Elder Scrolls story uh, of political intrigue and factional infighting. Um, and he says that they'll be concentrating on one of ESO's playable races that that has not yet had a full cultural and historical deep dive, uh, and there will be a like a, a streaming event next month uh, that'll kind of reveal more details about that. We can, we can see that then. So that's all the info we have for now. Um, I can say what I've seen in like zone chats and um, forum posts and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people seem to be responding pretty positively. To the the whole like backing off of end of the world themes, it yeah. seems like people are kind of tired of that, and it sounds it sounds like a kind of refreshing to get more into like a political mm-hmm. sort of thing. So that that'll be cool. I've seen a lot of good responses to that.
1: So I'm taking this a little bit different than you, and and maybe it's more hope than anything. But I'm kind of hoping that with with them saying that they're they're backing off from the end of the world, this massive world changing, you know, huge very intense story with different worlds and changing, you know, we, you know, the, the most recent expansion, you know, we had the world was almost ending and all these crazy spectacles and, you know, events and and fights. I'm kind of hoping that with this reduced, uh, world ending level story that that, uh, creates an opportunity for them to add one of these huge items to the game and that that the fact that the story and that kind of stuff might take a little bit less resources and a little less time, which would allow them to put a little bit more resources into something kind of larger or bigger come into the game. Like that's a, like that's absolutely something or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely something that I was going to say is like hopefully if they're not doing this whole end of the world thing, they're not gonna be spending all these resources, making a big Mehrunes-Dagon fight, for right. example, you know, and stuff like that. Um, so if it is kind of an easier story to tell and easier to kind of generate those resources and stuff, then yeah, maybe there will be more kind of development resources to go towards something cool, like a class or a skill line or something like that. Um, yeah, totally agree there. Matt does say that they are prioritizing the well-being of their dev team and they may need um to be a bit more selective with how they focus their efforts and that's what makes me feel skeptical about <laughs> like what's going to be getting offered you know because he's he's setting expectations like very clearly like he said in the in the beginning of this letter basically the the takeaway of this letter is hey it's been hard and we're tired <laughs> right like that's yeah, that's the main message here. Uh, and then he's kind of setting these expectations. And this is kind of the third year in the row that we're kind of having expectations set for us. Um, so I hope that they're kind of under-promising and planning to over-deliver. You know yeah. what I mean? That's kind of what I hope is is happening.
1: I mean, I, I, 100%. I, I love the fact that, you know, I can hundred percent get behind the fact that he they're they're prioritizing the well being of the employees. I think that's totally. fantastic. I think that's great.
0: You don't see that from every development studio, right. like like big AAA development studio. I mean,
1: I, I I can get on board with that. I can get behind that. I love hearing that. Um, but the the concern part of me is is that um, they've got some serious competitors out there right now, and and I'm hoping that they they know that that they're, they're they're they've got more competition right now than maybe they've had in a bit and so they need to um they need to maybe keep keep the competition up there. I I hope that they're aware of that. And I and I know that yeah. they are, but I'm hoping that they have a good answer to it as well.
0: Yeah. So we'll see probably about a month from now we'll kind of have an idea uh, uh of what the plans are there. Um now I will say, I don't think Matt has done um, the development team very good justice with his letter here, though. You know, basically the message is uh, it's been hard, we're tired and companions nailed it, you know, <laughs> uh, and if if the point of this letter is to kind of show how how successful um the game has been over the past year. I think there are lots of other things that uh that he could have focused on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, companions not being one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um but actually I think this is one of the best years this game has ever had. Um probably largely due to the fact that they've had to kind of narrow their scope and focus more on quality of life and yeah. combat balance and 100%. and that sort of stuff. Um and, and so that's really those are the those are the areas that they have excelled in this year. I think combat balance and quality of life in particular, uh, and that's what's really made me feel okay about the fact that like we we didn't we didn't get a class or anything. It's like the the work they've been doing uh, is actually really great. Um, so that's made me feel pretty good about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's do our own retrospective here. We're going to go back uh, and um, uh, talk about all the things that Matt left out that he should have paid attention to uh, in his letter <laughs> here. So starting with the Flames of Ambition patch Q1 um maybe one of the most impactful patches we've had maybe since One Tamriel honestly it was, it's been
1: it a it's one. a
0: huge it one huge. i mean almost almost every episode we've had since then we we make mention of the Flames of Ambition patch you know in one way or another uh, hugely impactful um, that was when we got the champion system rework. Uh, we, ha- we had all of our characters base stats increased majorly, which is a total game changer for, uh, especially no CP, PvP, but really the entire game is a completely yeah. different game now. Um, we got this new armor bonuses and penalties system, which I don't know how impactful that was, but it's something that happened. And this was kind of a big deal. Uh, No more five-piece requirements to get certain armor bonuses. You can use one piece or three pieces or four or however many, and they all scale. Um, So that was Flames of Ambition. With the Blackwood patch, we got um, proc set scaling, which kind of dampened the proc meta just a little bit. Plus we got ability bar timers, which is really nice. Um, Then came Waking Flame, the dark spot uh, of this year.
1: forget that one that one wouldn't be <laughs>
0: we could have done without waking Put that flame.
1: flame to bed <laughs>
0: uh three of the worst sets ever made hrothgar's chill plague break dark convergence all three introduced <laughs> with the waking flame patch <laughs> oh man it was a bad time um but they did hybridize a lot of passives uh just kind of going more for uh hybrid builds uh and they buffed stealth which has brought nightblade's largely into prominence, uh, especially after the Flames of Ambition patch that helped him out a lot as well. Uh, And then now we're in the Deadlands. uh, Right now, Uh, Dragon Knight's got some major buffs. Uh, Bash builds are back. Uh, Procs can crit. Uh, But we also have this Burst proc cooldown thing now, which is kind of the final nail in the coffin for the uh, proc meta, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We got the Armory system, Curated set drops. That's a big one uh and armor set hybridization across the board all armor sets in the game now offer um both versions of offensive stats that's another really really big one that we're still kind of exploring the depth of of that change so really if we're doing a retrospective there's lots and lots of really huge stuff that happened this yep. year that from um combat and balance standpoint uh from a quality of life standpoint it's just a better game now than it was a year ago really i
1: I think that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is that from quality life this has been the best year maybe ever since we've played the game of just Mm -hmm. every and and just great detail you know the the hybridization of of classes and builds and in the more types of more crea- creativity, more theory crafting.
0: Yeah, a real focus on build diversity and yes. like giving players uh, control and power over how they want their builds to to play, and and still letting them be viable. You know, like we were, we just had Uncle Sam on uh, the last episode talking about some very unusual builds, and mm-hmm. you know, we've seen firsthand just how effective they are.
1: I, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I that would be seemingly the thing to highlight to me is that the game's quality of life has had the best upgrade that it maybe has ever had this past year, and there's so many different things with it. And then even to tie into that, I mean, the story of this past year was one of the better stories, in my opinion, that we've had in a while. It was very intriguing, very in-depth, very well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think they did a fantastic job, and it was just maybe a different strategy. And and they kind of called that at the beginning of the year is that we didn't have any massive, huge, flassy thing flashy thing but you know all of you know it's kind of a, a you know death by a thousand paper cuts it was all these little things that just all together have made this massive difference and really put the game in a lot better place than it was
0: yeah exactly and so like he was matt was kind of setting these expectations saying like hey this next year we might have to kind of narrow our focus but if it's another year like this one where we're getting all these nice quality of life uh, some really good combat related things that are just making the game better can probably be fairly forgiving of that. Yeah. Uh, If we have another year like this one, I'm I'm not going to be mad at all. So anyway, I don't know if I missed anything in our little retrospective here. But, uh, you know, Zoss, if you want to hire someone to write these retrospectives, you know, uh, (laughs) you missed a few things, just (laughs) so. Um. Anyway, that's kind of it for the news. Uh, As far as what we've been doing here lately, I don't know about you, Davies, but I've been doing – so much battlegrounds is basically all i can do we just did the bg report um last episode we talked all about how great the current meta is i have not changed my mind in that regard it's the best meta maybe ever i got a few characters to talk about i might i might talk for a little bit here so hang with me um Number one, I'm, I'm going to talk about my Stam Sork. Uh, I think on the last episode he was the dude I was spending the most time with, and that's still the case these last couple of weeks. I've been playing with him quite a bit. Uh, Tane is his name, spelled like Wayne, but with a T. Um, his build is Briarheart Sword Dancer as a front bar only set with precise daggers, uh, the Master Bow on the back bar, Torque of Tonal Constancy, and One Piece Molag Kenna. Uh, it's been his build for a long time. On the Last episode, I was talking about possibly swapping out Sword Dancer for Draugrkin. Um, and so I did, I farmed out Draugrkin and I tested it out and it is a very good set, a very strong set. And like in 1v1 dueling situations, it is the superior set to Sword Dancer. Um, but the thing is, Davius, you, you and I, we're all about battlegrounds and dueling really is not a consideration for like build decisions, you know? And what I realize in Battlegrounds is Drogerkin isn't really doing a lot for me a lot of the time because uh a lot of my kills come from me just streaking into a group, dropping a Dawnbreaker, and spending to win, you know, and I'll get two or three kills that way. Uh you know, not every kill happens that way, but a fair number, I'd say half of them at least. Um and Drogerkin, it's really like a death by a thousand paper cuts type of set. You know, you need a, a lot of sources of damage for it to all add up to to a lot. Uh, and then, so if you have a dot build or something like that, it's fantastic. It's actually best in slot for mag decays, so I hear. So anyway, for if if battlegrounds is kind of the main thing that you're doing, I think sword dancer having that 600 weapon damage straight to your your AOE execute is a uh, is a lot more valuable. Plus, to my spammable as well. Um, so sticking to that tried and true build that I've had for for a long time. Um, I've also switched my food away from Dubious, uh, and I'm using the, the Sugar Skulls now, so I've basically traded that recovery for more max stats and a lot more Magicka, um, which actually made the build feel a lot more comfortable because of how the Torque works, you know? It's weird, but I, I have a lot less sustain, um, but that that makes the Torque kind of work more, and I, I always have that Magicka that I need to, to do a Dark Deal to get more stamina or to do a Streak or whatever, um, so that seems to have made it the sweet spot. Uh, as far as that goes, I, I did try taking it a step further and I'm, I'm still, um, uh, testing this out. I'm, I'm undecided, but, um, it might be a step too far. I switched my moon to stone from the serpent, which is stamina recovery, um, to the warrior, which is weapon damage. Um, so that was kind of my final investment into sustain besides the torque, right? So it's like all damage all across the board now. Um, what I like about that is my stat sheet now shows fully buffed uh, a, a cool seven thousand weapon damage, and that doesn't count the six hundred from Sword Dancer or the three hundred from the Master Bow, right? So I have a hidden nine hundred on top of that. So I just really like seeing that on the stat sheet. But I do think recovery wise, it is a it is a step too far. I do always have the Magica. I can I can do dark deals to get stamina, but. I sure am doing a lot of dark deals, you know. It's a lot of dark deals. It might it might be a bit too much, and the the damage is still ample uh, with the serpent moonus. It's it's just fine. So, I'm still I'm going to stick with the warrior for a little bit longer and see if I can just make it feel comfortable. Maybe I'll find that rhythm and, and it'll be good because it's it's a ton of damage. Um, but if it if it never feels good, I'll be fine going back to the serpent. Uh, and that I think the sugar skulls with the serpent moonus probably is the sweet spot. Um, so that's the Stam Sork Tain. So, um, whenever I play with my Stam Sork, or whenever I put a lot of time into my Stam Sork, I usually end up putting a fair amount of time into my stamina Templar, Betsy, as well. Um, because they're built kind of similarly. They're both, uh, reliant on mobility as their main, uh, defense. They're totally speed capped. Um, they're all about hit and run and all that sort of stuff. So when I'm in the mood for that kind of play style, the, these are the two that I have to choose from. So I'm always kind of comparing them to each other. Um, and I wish I could do a proper shout out. I don't remember who it was. I was in a Discord voice voice chat with some people, um, and I was talking about my Stamplar. And this person asked, what is it about Stamplar that makes them good at this kind of play style, this sort of like speedy, roly-poly play style? Because uh, it seems like they're designed for the opposite, right? It seems like they're they're stand your ground, claim a claim a piece of ground, and stand there and defend it. If you if you look at their abilities, that's kind of how they're designed. And really, Stam Sork is the one that's designed to be all speedy and fast. Yet, in, in my hands, at least, these two characters get comparable results. You know, and so they asked me that, and kind of there in the moment, on the spot, I couldn't really come up with a good answer. I was just kind of like, ah, I don't know. It feels good but since then i've i've been kind of thinking about it more and i've been bouncing back and forth between my stamsork and my stamplar doing battlegrounds and keeping that question in mind um trying to to figure out what what is it about stamplar that makes them so good at this particular play style, even though they weren't seemingly designed for it so i think it really comes down to the fact that their toolkit is extremely simple um and it doesn't take a whole lot of mental processing power to like decide what to do moment to moment. You know, for this, um, like roly poly, speedy, glass cannon, hit and run type of play style, you really have to build your character super duper squishy. Like, you, you need a ton of damage, you need a ton of recovery, you need a, a lot of speed, uh, and there's just no investment left over for defensiveness, you know, after that. Um, so, like, fast decision making is very, very important, and it's very important that you don't make any mistakes. Like, if somebody gets the jump on you, If you don't make the right decision immediately, you're probably not going to get a second chance, right? Um, and I think that really does come I think that really is the main factor uh with Stamplar is because it's just it's so much easier to make those snap decisions in the moment because you only have so many options, like compared to a Stam who has kind of a lot of options. I think the main reason for that is just that they have a lot of stuff packed into just a few abilities. A prime example is Jabs. Uh, We always say that Jabs is the best spammable in the game, but honestly, I think it's maybe the best ability in the game, uh, what I really think about it. Uh, So it's a spammable, um, but it's not just any spammable. It's a spammable with a 20k tooltip. So it's also your main burst attack, really. Um, it's also where you get your major crit buff, uh, so you don't have to waste a bar slot for that or a potion or anything like that. Um, and it's also an extremely effective anti-stealth tool, uh, and that's basically mandatory, this patch, uh, and again, you don't have to waste a bar slot or a potion for that either. It's all built into your spammable. So you have, like, three or four bar slots worth of stuff packed into this one ability. Um... Restoring Focus, uh, the rune that you place on the ground, is another example of that. It's your main armor buff, and it's your primary sustain tool. Uh, so on any other class, that would be two different abilities, two different bar slots, but on a Templar, it's one bar slot. Uh, so it's saving you that bar space. It's also simplifying your buff rotation big time. Uh, also, the Cleansing Ritual is another great example. It's a very strong heal over time, which you which you need. Um, it's a cleanse, which is very important. And the fact that it cleanses five negative effects at a time makes it a very effective snare removal as well. So you don't need to waste a bar slot or a potion for snare removal either. You know, so like you, you slot three abilities, jabs, restoring focus, and the cleansing ritual, and your build's almost done. You know, you throw rally, you throw vigor on there. You have a totally complete kit now, and you still have like five bar slots left. I think the, the result is there, are, their kit is so simple and so many things are packed into so few abilities that you just have a much lighter mental load, uh, while you're playing, you're, you're you're not processing so much about like what your character is doing moment to moment. And when you have to make these snap decisions, like in the moment, a split second decision, you know, you basically can only do two things. You know, you can either cleanse and do a roll dodge or jabs if it's like an offensive opportunity. Right. And it's, if it's like a panic situation, it's it's one of those two things are your only options. Whereas you think of like a Stam Sork, for one, they have this weird resource balancing game, right? Like I find that I'm always watching both my resource bars to kind of maintain a balance of those on my Stam Sork. So already there's kind of a lot of mental energy going there. Um, and then I could do a dark deal. I could do uh, a streak or I could do, a, maybe I want to do a roll dodge instead of a streak because I want to save that magicka for a dark deal. Or maybe I'm going down some stairs and it would be better to roll dodge because if I streak, I'm going to go straight ahead and then I'm going to be suspended in the air until I fall down and people can just freely attack me, you know, until I hit the ground and can continue running. You know, this is like a lot of things that I'm thinking about moment to moment. Whereas with a Stamplar, cleanse and do a roll dodge. You know, stairs, no stairs, doesn't matter. Just cleanse into a roll dodge. There's nothing really to think about. Um, so I find that since I'm not really paying attention to what my character's doing, I can just kind of offload a lot of that to muscle memory. Um, and I'm just playing smarter because I'm just a lot more aware of the game and what's going on in front of me, the, the positioning of my allies and my em- and my enemies, what are the good targets to choose. I'm just playing smarter in general because more of my, like, Brain is available you know to to just play smart I think that's a lot of it, plus the fact that Jabs is just so strong you know when you when you play this way, you have to kill quickly uh and and jabs is is so strong that you can do that pretty effectively um if you build right so anyway, I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was to ask that question. I don't know if they even listened to the podcast, but if you're listening um that's why I think Stamplar is good at a at a roly-poly, speedy, hit-and-run kind of play style, even though they weren't necessarily designed for it. And honestly, kind of for these reasons, I think in my hands, at least, they're better than a Stampsork, you know, for that type of play style. I get, I, I tend to get better results on my Stamplar um, than my Stampsork. I'm really glad that that person asked that question, because I enjoyed kind of digging into that, because I've always known that... This build just feels so comfortable. It just And even, like, I haven't played with her very much lately at all. I've been, like, totally mating this Stam Sork and getting really good with my Stam Sork. And then I decided to jump on with Betsy, and it's just immediately good results against a lot of the same players, you know. And it's just like, there was never a moment where I was like, okay, let me relearn how to play this character. Like, no, I just, I can close my eyes and just go for it. Uh, I also updated my uh, Magicka Warden Healer build. So that build now is uh, Gossamer, Heady's Hearth on the back bar, uh, Master Firestaff on the front bar, uh, and the back bar weapon is a powered Resto Staff, of course. Master Firestaff on the front bar, and two pieces Mighty Chudan. The update is um, Heady's Hearth replaced Curse Eater. That was my back bar only set, Uh, and I was going to try to just use it uh, and, and see. But um, Plague Break has become so incredibly popular. Uh, it's overtaken dark convergence and popularity. It is everywhere. Everyone is using Plague Break. Um, and there's definitely been a couple of times that having that automatic cleanse from Curse Eater has cost my team a death or two. So we can't have that. Get that out of here. And I've always loved heaties Hearth anyway. So an excuse to go back to Hedy's Hearth, easy, no problem gossamer as the as the double bar set that's pretty much any healer like that's best in slot healing set pretty much um it's really good just gives your whole team major evasion which we've talked lots of times how how important that is uh heady's hearth is the one um that when you heal someone it makes that big glowing orange aura swirl around you and it provides a heal over time to anyone standing in it and it reduces the cost of their uh Roll dodge, sprint, break free, and block. Um and really the best thing about it is it's this really bright, uh, really huge orange circle, and it's just like a real easy visual indicator for your team to to know where the healer is. And it's like just the perfect size because everyone can fit inside of it and still like have some elbow room to move around and do their thing, you know? So you can kind of shepherd your team around pretty easily with that. The Master's Fire Staff, whenever you use um Whenever you use the Destructive Clench ability, it gives you um, 600 spell damage, but it's only for four seconds. So sometimes it can be difficult to take advantage of that, but uh, on a Warden, it's so easy uh, because basically your combo only takes three seconds. It's just sub-assault, Stun them with flame clench and then hit, hit them with your spammable. And then subassault and that spammable will both hit well within that four second window. And you just do that in that exact same order every time. Subassault, flame clench, spammable, subassault, flame clench, spammable, and it just stays active. Uh, and remember that if they dodge that flame clench, uh, you still, the master stuff still activates. They don't have to get hit with it. You just have to activate the ability um so it's it's a real easy combo, and the fact that it's giving you so much spell damage, just this one weapon that's the only offensive investment I really have on this build period uh but it ends up being enough you know I'm not like getting it's not deleting people, but it's enough sauce like combined with my heels, the fact that I'm kind of hard to kill, plus I have a spicy enough combo to kind of make someone think twice about just trying to target dummy me you know uh, I find it's a pretty effective deterrent so I like that. Uh, Mighty Chudan is just great for a healer because it just allows me to get rid of my stupid armor buff that makes everyone look really ugly with the ice stuff hanging off of them uh, and just slot another healing ability. Uh, it's great. It's a great build. I like it a lot. That's that one more time. That's Gossamer, Hedy's Hearth on the back bar, Master Fire Firestaff front bar, two pieces Mighty Chudan. Last build I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to dive too deep, but I did finally get my Magicka Nightblade PvE DPS setup. Uh, I got the Zogman's. If you remember, I don't know, an episode or two ago, I said that uh, I upgraded the jewelry, but then realized they were the wrong trait, so I wasted those transmutes and the, the mats to upgrade it. Um, so way too much gold later. Uh, I now have the correct <laughs> jewelry traits, and the, and the build's all done. Um, so his setup now is five pieces of Mother's Sorrow on the body, uh, five pieces Zogwin's Warband on the jewelry and front bar with a precise flame staff, uh, Maelstrom Lightning Staff on the back bar, uh, Harpooner's Wading Kilt, and one piece Slime Craw. Uh, the jewelry is three Bloodthirsty. I did a little research on that as far as like infused versus Bloodthirsty or combining them like a, a combo of the two. Um, three Bloodthirsty is the best. Basically, at once the boss hits 60% health from that point forward, you're doing quite a bit more damage with Bloodthirsty than you would be doing with, with any other setup.
1: Remind me again what Bloodthirsty does.
0: Uh, you just gain more weapon and spell damage against the target uh, as they lose health. Like The, the, okay. the okay. less health they have, the more damage you have against them.
1: So it's kind of like a slow acting execute.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of like this gradually ramping execute. I think it starts at, at 90% health from that point down. they start You start getting that increase. Okay. Uh, using the ghastly eyeball food, which just gives me max magicka and magicka recovery. Um, I get my major sorcery from degeneration and my major prophecy from inner light, so that allows me to just use trash potions, because I basically just use this uh, character to farm dungeons with, so I'm not going to be you know, spamming uh, expensive nice potions. So I make it so that I don't have to use um, actual spell damage potions. Uh, I just get those uh, important damage buffs from abilities on my bar instead. Uh, So I can just use those cheap potions and that works out pretty well. Um, I've been doing a little target dummy practicing. I have not yet hit my goal of 70k as far as like beginning to end, but I have gotten pretty close. Uh, My best so far is 68,000. Um, and I'm averaging around 65,000 on the trial dummy. Uh, and I know it's totally possible to get way more than that. But anyway, that's the Magblade. Not much to say there, but uh, I think I can get that 70k DPS. I think I'm going to practice my rotation, kind of refine it a little bit. I think I can probably make a couple of like target dummy-specific tweaks to the build to, to inch a, a couple more thousand DPS as well, and I think I can get there. And that's really my goal. If I can hit 70,000, then... Um, i'm a pve success at that point i would say uh emails and shout outs we got a few shout outs here um dr professor for typing exclamation point golden uh two weeks in a row dude nailed Ooh, it two weeks uh in the discord <laughs> um he beat he beat out GrizzlyCon uh getting that gold vendor info into the chat two weeks in a row mvp Grizzly Khan, shout out for being first in the text chat tonight, uh, for, for the recording. Uh, thank you, Grizzly Khan, for your support and your friendship. Always happy to have you here, man. Yeah. Um, and another shout out to our buddy, Uncle Sam. We've just been doing a lot of BGs and, and stuff here lately and just kind of hanging out in Discord while we're playing. And Sam's a cool dude and I've been, I've just been enjoying, getting to know sam and learning some pvp tips from him especially dueling yeah uh, i'm really bad at dueling and sam is uh He's is making me very aware of that <laughs> good, huh? uh so so thanks sam uh any other shout outs davius uh i think i think you got them all we have a guild it is the best named guild on PCNA. And it's also the official guild of the Scrolling Podcast. The name is Stoons Goons. Uh, if you'd like to be a member of Students Goons, uh, you can send us an email at, at gmail.com and we'll get you in there. You can also, also send us an email about anything you like, any questions you have, anything you'd like to uh, suggest for the show, things you'd like to hear us talk about. Just say hello, tell us a joke, really whatever you want. Uh, at gmail.com. And I think that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time.